want to share with you this morning one of my favorite phrases, and maybe I'll bet you it's one of your favorite phrases too, and I want to have us say it together. It's, it's three simple little words, and the words are these, not my problem. Y'all like that phrase? <laughs> I, I kind of like that phrase myself. Can you say it with me? Not my problem. I was talking with a friend of mine, CPA, I should say, recently retired CPA, and you know, it's coming toward April 15th, and this is coming toward, I said, you know, well, how's it going? How's it feeling this year? He gets this big smile across his face, you know, he says, not my problem. I'm sure all of you are CPAs thinking, oh, I'm waiting for that day. <laughs> not my problem. I was talking with another friend of mine, and I was complaining about one of the joys of home ownership, where I had to be cleaning out the gutters around my house, and up on the ladder, and up there kind of, you know, scooping out the gutters. Oh, it's so much bad work, and I'm talking to him over the phone, and he shares with me, he says, he says, I am so glad that my wife and I have moved into a condo. You know, that's a very nice way of saying, not my problem. You know, yeah, 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 he's, got, he's listening, but, you know, not my problem. But here's the, here's the best. I, I'm about to be a grandpa, and it's going to happen this week. And uh, so when you come next week, uh, yeah, thank you, yeah. We're going to have pictures on the screen, right in the middle of the cantata and everything. But we love y'all, but we're my nose. So, you know, I have a new granddaughter, and when I'm going to love her, and I'm going to hold her, and we're going to cuddle and all the good things. But you know when it gets to be smelly, you know? <laughs> I'm going to take that baby, I'll hold that baby out to my son, and I'm going to say, not my problem. That's, I can't wait for that moment, you know. I've changed a bunch of dirty, not my problem. You know, I, I think, you know, that's such a great phrase. You know, it should be in the Bible. And, and when you read through the scripture this morning, it's kind of like, it, it's almost like it is in, in the Bible. Because what we have this morning is we have Pilate, and we've, you know, heard this scene now a couple of times, and, and so, you know, what happens is Pilate is a guy with a problem. And he's, so he's got Jesus on one hand, and he's got an angry crowd out in front of him, you know, and they're shooting, uh, they're saying crucify, they should be shooting, <laughs> they're saying crucify him, crucify him, you're thinking, man, he says, he's thinking, how am I going to get out of this mess? And so he, he makes this decision. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to send down to the cell block. I'm going to ask them to send me the El Chapo of Jerusalem. You know, I'm going to ask them to send me the worst, most notorious, lowest, low life they can drag out of there. So, so they do that. They send them Barabbas. And when they send up Barabbas, so, he, so now you got Jesus and Barabbas. And Pilate's thinking, surely this is going to work out good. You know, surely it's going to be okay. And, and, you know, which one do you want? And, well, the crowd pulls their own switcheroo. And, you know, we know the story. They, you know, shouting, hey, we want Barabbas. And you say, oh, man, I can't believe this. And so, you know, what should I do with Jesus? Crucify him, crucify him. And it just builds and builds and builds. And, and it builds to the point where, you know, it's kind of this mob mentality. And, and he can't say anything, so he just gets the biggest bowl of water he can find, and he brings it out there, and he starts washing his hands and in front of the whole group, and that's his way of saying, not my problem. It's not my problem. And the crowd says, hey, you know, we're willing to own it. We're willing to take it. You know, let it be on us. Let it be our problem. And, they, and the way they say that in the scripture this morning is they say, let his blood be on us and on our children. 
That's basically what's being said there. Let his blood be on us and on our children. We own this. You know, this is our, let this be our problem. I want to tell you, friends, those words of hate are God's words of hope. Those words of hate from the crowd are God's words of hope. Because you and I need to know that the words, not my problem, are not in the Bible. They are not in the Bible. God never says, this is not my problem. From beginning to end, doesn't say that. Jesus never says in the gospel, this is not my problem. The Holy Spirit never inspires anyone in the Bible to say, this is not my problem. They are, they're not in there. In fact, what I envision is when Jesus is standing up there in front of the crowd, he's looking out, he's thinking to himself, oh my goodness, these are my children. This is my problem. When hearts are filled with hate, when human hearts are filled with hate, this is my problem. When people are acting with violent words and violent ways, this is my problem. When the innocent are judged unjustly, this is my problem. Bitterness and cruelty is the spirit of the day. And when mob mentality takes over, this is my problem. I think what Jesus is saying here is that your problem is my problem. Your sin is my problem. The Apostle Paul writes about it like this. He says, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. And what the apostle is saying there is that as God approaches our lives and looks into our lives and sees kind of the, the deepest, darkest, you know, most problematic parts of our lives, in those moments, we're not alone. We're not alone. God says, your problem is my problem. Jesus says, your problem is my problem. Robert Schuller, who's a pastor from another generation, has said this, that when we say the words, your problem is my problem, that is a statement of love. When you and I come to a person or we look at a situation and say, your problem is my problem, that's the way that we say that, that we love someone. Because what we're willing to do is to not to say, hey, it's yours, you take it. What we're, do what we're saying is, hey, I'm going to step into this with you. I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to add, you know, my strength and what I bring, and I'm going to bring that so we can be together. Your problem is my problem. That's what Jesus is doing. Your problem is my problem. He meets us at that, meets the crowd at that lowest place, at that darkest place. So when he meets us in our problem. Right there, he can say, your problem, my problem, your problem, I can bring my power. Because that's what Jesus does on the cross. He meets us in our problem, and at that place, brings his power. 
so that his power would be our power in the midst of our problem. And the way the apostle writes it is, is again like this. He says, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might know the righteousness of God. Our problem, his problem, his power, our power. I tell your friends, that's beautiful. And it's because of that power that we can come to the table today. And when we come to the table today, I can, you know, I can lift up the bread and break it. And I can pour out the juice and say, you know, this is the blood of Christ. And we can say in our hearts, let that forgiveness that flows be on us and on our children. So that those words can be our words and they can be words of hope. Let that forgiveness that flows, let the blood be on us and on our children. It's powerful. It's free. It's forgiving. I want to tell you, friend, it amazes me when I read this scripture, and maybe it amazes you too. You know who the first one was that was saved, you know, literally saved by and freed and forgiven by the power of the cross, by the cross? Barabbas. Barabbas is the first one. You read in the text this morning, he's the first guy that gets off because of the cross of Christ. You know, he's standing there, let's choose him. And he's freed. And you sit there and think, oh my gosh, you know, what did he do to deserve that? You know, I mean, he's the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. You know, what's going on there? You know, I was thinking, man, it's beautiful. Because if first is the worst, you know, I look at myself, maybe you look at yourself, I say, man, there's hope. <laughs> you know, if <laughs> gets up, hey, you know, I, maybe, I got, maybe I got a possibility too. You know, there is that hope. That forgiveness flows on us as well. But the point is not that he deserve it or not deserve it. That, that's not really the issue. The point is once Barabbas got that forgiveness, what did he do with it? I mean, what happened when he walked away from those moments? I mean, when he walked out of there, what, what went on from that point forward? You know, it's the same with me and it's the same with you. You know, what did we do to deserve all this? Nothing. We did just what Barabbas did. We did absolutely nothing. But that's not the question. The question is when we walk forward from these moments, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do about it? And here would be my suggestion, that we follow Jesus. <laughs> that we follow Jesus in his words that says, your problem is my problem, as a statement of love. Because we live in a world that has lots of problems. You know, and if we wonder about that, just go out and read the paper, talk to somebody. We live in a world that has lots of problems, and we can follow Pilate in that. And we can say, hey, not my problem. Wash my hands of that one. I'm kind of out of here, you know. We can do that. That's an option. Or we can choose an option that says, your problem is my problem. You know, we can look out into our community and we can say, you know what? Your poverty is my problem. Your homelessness is my problem. Your hunger is my problem. Your literacy is my 
problem. Your addiction is my problem. Your exploitation is my problem. You know, we can look at, you know, you can, you know, you can go on from there, but you get the sense of what I'm talking about. And I want to tell your friends, I celebrate with you that in our church and with other churches, we, we do that. We do that. I visit over at Network. And Network has, you know, the clothes closet, they have the food pantry. And that's a way of us coming alongside of people who find themselves in a place where they are hungry, who find themselves in a place where they're needing clothes, and you draw alongside your problem. It's my problem. Habitat, we're part of a build. Family needs their home. Your problem is my problem. Austin Treat Shelter. We're going to serve on Easter morning. For those of you who don't have Easter eggs to hunt and find, we need people to hunt and find and take food down to the homeless downtown. You know why? Because their problem is our problem. It's a statement of love. It's the way that we as a people of faith step into the world in love to identify. And as we identify, what we begin to find is that right there, there is a trinity. There's a trinity right there. And it's not the, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit trinity. It is this trinity of your neighbor and you and Jesus. Because Jesus is already there. Because Jesus is the one who said, way back when your problem is my problem. We find that trinity. And we find this other trinity. The trinity of problem, of power, the power of the cross, and promise, the promise of the kingdom. Because when we step into those moments, and we step into them in love, and we step into them in commitment, what we begin to find is that that's what the kingdom is about. And, and so as we come to the table today, I invite us to come as people who know, you know, we, we all have issues and we all have problems. And it's part of being a human being, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. But even as we come, we come in the power of God's grace and love and mercy. And we know we're all invited to come and feast upon that bounty. As we feast upon that bounty of his grace, that we're all invited to do is to rise up to give that same grace to the world. So as we got into the world, we can say, hey, you know what? Your problem is my problem. And I'm not sure what that's going to mean for you. I know when we start staying that statement, it's going to mean some things. One thing I know it's going to mean for me, I am going to change some diapers. I'll tell you. <laughs> that's part of what it's going to mean. It's going to mean more than that. That's probably where it's going to start, you know tell you, dear friends, that's the grace that we live in. So let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks as we come to your table today. We come in the moving of your spirit. We come in the working of your word. We come with your heart, seeking your heart toward your world. And we ask even as we are fed and even as we drink, we might eat and drink of the cup of your forgiveness. And then we might rise up in that strength to give that same blessing to all who would have the same need that we do. And so, Lord God, it's in the name of Christ.
and in his love that we make our choice, make our choice to follow you by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray.